0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Just a bit of an introduction. 2 Samuel. If you were with us in First Samuel, you know that First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings were originally one book, or one single composition, or one single uh, letter written document uh, in the Hebrew canon. Uh, in the Septuagint, First Second Samuel, First Second Kings are called Listen, First Second Third Fourth Book of the Kingdoms. In the Septuagint, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings are called 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th books of the kingdoms. The kingdoms refer to the two kingdoms in the north and Judah in the south. Now, in 2nd Samuel, 2nd Samuel, you're taking notes, you write this down. This is real simple. 2nd Samuel is a book about David's life, and 2nd Samuel covers 40 years of David's reign. 2 Samuel has two main sections. Chapters 1 through 10. Next week I'll have an outline for you of this. How about that? I'll make it a little, little bit easy for you. And I'll show it to you for a couple of weeks, then you'll have it in your head. 2 Samuel has two main sections. Chapters 1 through 10, we find David's triumphs. Chapters 13 through 24, we have David's troubles. And sandwiched in the middle is David's, you know, between David's triumphs and David's troubles are David's trials, chapter 11 and 12. David's trials, we know them. We see his sin uh, with Bathsheba. Uh, You know the story, we'll cover it. So chapters 11 and 12 are right in the middle of the 40-year reign and really, a really sad part of David's life. Now, let's back up just a little bit so we can move forward properly. If you were with us in 1 Samuel, chapter 27, just turn with me. Go, go with me. I want you to peruse a couple chapters with me, okay? And it's important that you get this so we can come forward and you know where we are. In chapter 27, just go there, 1 Samuel, chapter 27... David and his men, and you might want to look around verses 1 through 4 or 5, David and his men and their families settle in a town called Ziklag. You know David has no business being in Ziklag, but he's running from Saul. And Ziklag is a Philistine country. While in Ziklag, David becomes a right-hand man to the king of the Philistines. Anybody know his name? Anybody know the name of the king of the Philistines? Achish. Achish. Yeah. Y'all awake? Did y'all hear? I asked you one time. K- king Achish. Yes. Yeah. All right. Now, one day, King Achish, listen, said to David that we're going to fight and we're going to go fight against Israel. We'll look at chapter 29, verse one. The Philistine armies are gathered at Aphek. And in first Samuel, you just write this down. First Samuel chapter 4, the Philistines defeated three thirty thousand, pardon me, Israelis in Aphex. And they captured the ark there. So the Philistines there in chapter 29, they come back to this area, same area, thinking that this area works in their favor. Look at verse 4 of chapter 29. The princes of the Philistines didn't like David. And they didn't want David to go fight with them because he might turn on them. But listen, this was God's grace because Achish said to David, David, you're a good guy, but you got to go. So because the, the leaders of the Philistines, they don't like you. And so in the morning, David packed it up and he went back to Ziklag. Now, the reason why I say it was God's grace and a blessing, because when David got back to Ziklag, um, David and his men, they found that this, the town had been burned with fire and all of their men Or women, the men actually went to fight. The women, the children, uh, the boys, girls, everybody had been taken. And this is all David's fault. Huh? Because David had no business being in Ziklag in the beginning. So now they've all been taken. David is out of the will of God. David has been running from Saul for about 10 years, and at that point, he's getting further and further away out of the will of God. I told you that no guard, no fortress, no watchman can make you secure if you are outside of God's protection. We talked about that. Now, chapter 30, the Philistines took a lot of the cities of the northern part of Israel. David and his men go after the Amalekites. He has 600 men, and 200 of them... A two week to go on and so they stay by the stuff. David and 400 men go to battle and they're doing battle day and night for days. Chapter 30. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. While they're walking, they find an Egyptian that the Amalekites cast away because he was sick and of no use to them. And David nursed him to health and to find out where uh, he could find the Amalekites. David promised not to kill him if he would tell them where he could find the Amalekites. Well, the story goes on that the Egyptian led David and his men right to where the Amalekites were. And when David got there, they were partying, they were drinking, they were dancing. Also, all of the stuff that they had stolen from Ziklag was there. All the stuff they stole from the burning. And the Amalekites, they think that David and his men are in effect, So they're partying, their bellies are full, they are um, uh, having a good time. Chapter 30, verse 17, David attacked them and killed them. Look at verse 17, killed them for 24 hours from evening until the evening of the next day. David killed everyone except for 400 men who escaped on camels. David rescued their wives, their kids, their sons, their daughters. Everybody is fine. David got back all the stuff. So David came back and gave part of the spoils to the 200 men who stayed at Bezor because they were too tired to go on, as I mentioned. Look at verse 26 of chapter 30. He also gave some of the bounty to the elders of the southern uh, 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 in southern Judah. Because at one time, the Amalekites attacked them and took their stuff. So David gives them back the things that have been taken away from them. And I like that because David gives spoils to those who were spoiled by the Amalekites. I like that. At this point, I get the feeling that David is coming into his own. David is turning into a diplomat and a real king. David is going to become the greatest king. Watch this. The greatest king besides Jesus that has ever lived. David is becoming a picture of the king of kings as Jesus, you know, died on the cross and he gave gifts unto men or he gave us spoils. So David becomes a picture or a type of Christ. Well, chapter 31 of first Samuel is a sad ending to the book of Samuel and a sad ending to the life of Saul. Saul had natural abilities. Saul's story is of a man who, with God-given abilities and yet his life was wasted and he never achieved his full potential. Why? Because he failed to submit to the will of God. Can I tell you something? You will not fulfill your full potential if you don't submit to the will of God. It's not possible. You'll never get there. You'll always feel frustrated. You'll always feel like I, I can't get where I want to be or or do the things spiritually I want to do because you've got to submit to God's will. This thing called Christianity is about humbling yourself. Are y'all listening? It's about humbling yourself and submitting yourself to God's will. That's how you get in God's plan, his perfect plan for your life. When you say, Lord, I'm done with me, all of you, none of me. <laughs> Not all of you, less of me. Huh? I've heard, I heard people say, you know, all of you, God, and less of me. No, 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 no. All of you and none of me. Write it down. None of me. Then you get into the will of God. So David, so Saul could never really achieve his full potential. So the Philistines in chapter 31 fought Israel and whooped them. And many were killed on Mount Gilboa, which was Israeli headquarters. Now, you know the story. Saul and his sons were killed on Mount Gilboa as well. Chapter 31, Saul fell on the sword and killed himself. Now, here, saints, I need you to listen. Chapter 31, Saul fell on the sword and killed himself. The Bible tells us the Philistines took Saul and his sons and hung their bodies on the wall of bet Now, if you've traveled to Israel with us, you know this is one of the cities that we stop and we view the ruins there. It's in this location that today there are ruins of the foundation of this and the walls and even some of the, the amphitheaters and the outdoor theaters um, in Beit Shem, and then high overlooking the Roman ruins, is where the Philistines hung Saul. Now, if you go to Israel with us, you know you remember that long stairway that we go up, and we always, you know, all the people who think they're buff and think they're strong, they you know go, and then it it's a big race to see who gets up to. It is really, really, really high. And so it must be like a 1,000 steps or something like that. It is really, really high. But once you get up there, the view is unbelievable. I got a picture of it. I should have bought it, got it out. I didn't really find time today. But the view is just, it's unbelievable. It's there that they hung the bodies of um, Saul and his three sons. And then the men of Jabesh-Gilead, because uh, Israel was kind to them at one point, the men of Jabesh-Gilead took their bodies down from the wall of Beth-Shem and burned them and then gave them a proper burial. Now, as we move into chapter two, um, 2 Samuel, pardon me, I was going to say chapter 2, but actually Second Samuel, we're going to see the rise of a king. And I've actually titled this entire book, The Rise of a King. David is going to become the greatest king, as I mentioned, to have ever lived except for Jesus. Did you know that there are more chapters in the Old Testament dedicated to the life and the ministry of King David than any other Bible character? More than Abraham, more than Joseph, more than Jacob, more than Moses. David is mentioned in the Bible 1,000 times. That's a lot. As we move into 2 Samuel we enter into forty years of David's reign, seven and a half years. If you're taking notes, seven and a half years. He reigned in Hebron, thirty-three years. He reigned in Jerusalem. In Second Samuel, we're going to see David's life. We'll see David's humanity. We'll see his royalty. We'll see, he, see his failures. We'll see his successes. In Second Samuel, we're going to see his sin with Bathsheba and his repentance. In Second Samuel, we'll see the man after God's own heart. Well, let's get to it. 2nd Samuel, saints chapter 1. I've titled this sermon New King, same Lord. 2nd Samuel chapter 1. Uh let's uh okay, in the interest of time, let's read uh all the way through verse 16 and then we will come back and tie it all together, all right? Uh 2nd Samuel chapter uh one. Y'all still with me? Say amen. All right. And if you're looking at verse one, say amen. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, David had stayed. How many days saints it where on the third day, behold, it happened that a man came and stay with the story. A man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. And so it was when he came to David that he fell to the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to him, where have you come from? So he said to him, I've escaped from the camp of Israel. And then David said to him, how did the matter go? Please tell me, how are things? And he answered, the people have fled from the battle and many of the people have fallen dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his sons, are dead also. So David said to the young man who told him, how do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his sons are dead? And the young man who told him said, as I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear, and indeed the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me, and he called me, and I answered, I said, here I I am, and he said to me, who are you? So I answered, I am an Amalekite. And he said to me again, please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I, this Amalekite, stood over him, according to him, stood over him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen, and I took the crown. That was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm. And I've brought them here to you, my Lord, David. Well, therefore, David took hold of his own clothes and he tore them. And so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and they wept. and they fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan, his son, for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they have fallen by the sword. And then David said to the young man who told him, where are you from? And he answered, I'm the son of an alien. I'm a foreigner and a Malachite. So David said to him, how was it? You were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed. And then David called one of the young men over and said, go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. And so David said to him, your blood is on your own head for your own mouth has testified against you saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Look at verse 17. We got to keep going. Then David lamented with the lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son, and he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. I'll tell you more. The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not on the streets of Ashkelon. Here's why. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph, O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, nor rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there. The shield of Saul, not anointed with oil from the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty And Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives. And in their death, they were not divided. And they were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I'm distressed for you. My brother Jonathan, you have been my very you have been very pleasant to, to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of a woman. How mighty have fallen, how the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. Okay, stop right there. Give me your attention. Again Saul and his sons have been killed in the battle against the Philistines on Mount Gilboa. Now listen, this was a sad and tragic end to the story of a man because Saul came to the throne a humble man and he left the throne a hardened man. He came to the throne a humble man and left the throne a bitter man. Verse one tells us after the death of Saul, David went back to Ziklag for two days. Now listen, at this point, David's heart is right with the Lord. Verse two tells us on day three, a man came from Gilboa, Now, this is about 100 miles. So, this guy is hoofing it. He is making about 30 miles a day. He comes to David in Ziklag. Notice, the Bible tells us, look at verse 2 again, his clothes are torn and dust is on his head. Now, listen, when the man walks up to David with his clothes torn and dust on his head, David knows exactly it's bad news. Because torn clothes and dust on your head meant that there was something that you were mourning, that there was uh, a death. That you were mourning something. David knows it's bad news. So verse 3, David said, where have you come from? He said, I escaped out of the camp of Israel. Verse 4, David said, how are things? How do things go? And the man answered. He said, many people have run and many have died. And Saul and Jonathan, his sons, are dead as well. And when the man said that, that probably felt like a bomb dropped on David. Are y'all hearing me? Felt like a bomb. Saul and Jonathan are dead as well that felt like ah have you ever received like out of nowhere unexpectedly bad news like somebody died and you don't know this morning i'm up i'm at work at 5 a.m y'all know i get up early I send y'all people emails at 5 three o'clock in the morning. Some of y'all got emails from me at that time. Of course, you weren't awake to receive them, but you, you got it. I get up early. I like to get up early. I just do. I like to get up early. I like to come in. I like for it to be quiet. I think I can hear from God. I can hear from God before 9. <laughs> After 9, I can't hear a thing. It's like I just I just can I honestly can. I just love to come in early and I love to get there early. Well, I got here early this morning and I'm reading this text and I called Miss Elvira. Now it's like five fifteen, five twenty. I called Miss Elvira, who also gets up very early, and I asked her, Was it okay to share this story with you? It was probably about I don't know, three AM? Um, Miss Elvira was about 26 years old. Am I right, honey? You were 26 years old. And it's about 3 a.m. in the morning. Her and her first husband, I am Miss Elvira's second husband. Her first husband and she were preparing to move to Oakland, California. About 3 a.m. in the morning, she receives a knock on the door. And when she opens the door, The sheriff's department is standing there. That's a bomb. That's a bomb. Say no more. It's almost like when David sees the man, he's got torn clothes and ashes on his head. It's like, don't tell me. And your husband's not at home. The sheriff is at the door to tell her that her first husband, his name was Fonda. Grayton, had been killed in a car accident. She's 26 years old with three children, three small children. And she told me uh, this morning, actually, I didn't know this until this morning you told me. She said the first thing that came to her mind was Job 121. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. First thing came to her mind. I said, "You mind if I share that, honey?" She goes, "No, no, you sure? Fine, no problem. So we'll get by." And I immediately started writing this. Here is why you need to be in a Bible teaching church. This is why you need to know the word of God. This is why you need to have thy word written upon the tables of your heart. Because when something, someone, sometime something drops a bomb on you, you need to have the word written on your heart. Because you can't often go get a Bible. Somebody clap your hands and say, that's right, Pastor. You can't go get a Bible. And, and, and sometimes the shock is so severe, you, you, you can't get a Bible. But when God's word is written on your heart like that, God's word just wells up in you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. God's word will just well up in you. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's why you need to study God's word. That's why you need. Listen, if you're visiting here tonight and you you don't go to a Bible teaching church, that's not good. I'm not talking about a church that teaches about the Bible. Huh? I'm not talking about a church that springs boards from the Bible. Well, we've been in them. You know, read a verse. You can shut the book because the next three hours I'm going to talk. Don't know about what, but I'm going to talk. Grandma, I'm going to go and preach to you because these people ain't listening to me. You know what I'm saying. You need to be in a church that teaches the Bible. I, I mean, verse by. I, oh, wait, wait. Clap your hands. You know, I, I've, I've talked to many pastors and I've told them and encouraged them that, you know, you don't have to do it like, don't get me wrong, you don't need to do it like I do it. I don't have the corner on teaching the Bible. I don't have the, I'm not like, I don't have the corner on how it goes.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.